All right, folks, welcome to Passing Period and All of the Above Podcast Extra. My name is Manuel Rustin, a.k.a. your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. And you know what? Actually, let's skip the intro. Jeff, where's my money at? <laughs> you owe I me. I told you, Manuel, I got, I got five $4 bills for you, man. Five You owe me. I want bills. my money. Um, <laughs> yeah, for those of y'all wondering, we had a little, little friendly wager going on whether or not school will start off in person or fully online. And... Um, I said, there's no way we're going to open up the school year in person, whether it be hybrid or whatever. I just didn't see that as a possibility. And I think I was right for the most part, because most districts this week started announcing their plans to open up fully online distance learning. Boom. Where's my money, Jeff? Well, man, well, I, you know, yes, uh, it was a, it was a gentleman's bet and you won and I'm happy you won, even though, you know. I now had to figure out how to uh, socially distance, get twenty dollars to you. Um, you know, I so here's what I'll what I'll say about it. I think that I am happy that cooler heads uh, have prevailed in this equation, or that might be the wrong metaphor. I'm happy that science and basic respect for human life has prevailed. And that, uh, you know, that this decision was made, at least here in California, we had uh, over the last week, San Diego and L.A. sort of uh, jointly announced that they will be um, opening virtually and then a whole cascading effect of sort of neighboring Southern California districts, some Northern California districts announced the same thing. And then just uh, on Friday uh, of this past week, the governor came out with a big press conference setting new statewide requirements by county um, that essentially put stricter limits on what has to be happening with infection rates and that sort of thing in order for districts to open, which is a bit of a new addition to the landscape. Um, so I'm happy about that. I think that was a step in the right direction. I think those restrictions probably don't go far enough, uh, frankly. But, um, well, and there is also still the push to like to reopen as soon as possible, right? Um, so as soon as we get off the like bad list in the state, um, folks wanna wanna reopen, right? Um, so I'm glad we didn't jump off the cliff. I'm glad we're not going to put kids, you know, millions of kids, parents and educators here in L.A. at at very serious risk um, as we are, you know, one of the higher, uh, you know, infection rate places in the nation right now. Um, but also, I think that we we can't rest easy because there is still the, the same political pressure around. We need parents to get back to work. We need profit to be made. Um, and that being the, the impetus for reopening the schools, right? People want childcare so that parents can work. Um, you know, that's still present. And I think as soon as things start to look a little bit better, though, that's going to continue to rear its head. And the government has shown total, the federal government has shown at this point, uh, you know, near total unwillingness to provide the kind of supports that people need in order to actually stay home and do what's right from a public health standpoint. So, um, you know, a lot of layers there and, and I'm, I'm happy about where we are in this moment. I'm also worried that it's, you know, this moment's gonna pass and we're gonna be right back in this mess uh, soon enough. Yeah, um, I'm happy also 
that, I guess, science prevailed. I definitely understood the argument that political pressure would mount and schools would have so much pressure to reopen that they would go ahead and do that and then eventually close back down when cases spiked. So I'm really glad that we didn't have to learn the hard way that reopening would be a bad idea. And I'm also really, really saddened, like as a classroom teacher, I mean, I remember like it was yesterday, March 13th, Friday the 13th, I remember the announcements coming down that our school is going to shut down for two weeks, and then we'd have spring break, and then we'd hopefully be back after that. And then I remember that being extended to, okay, we're going to stay closed to the end of April, and we're going to stay closed into May. And then it was straight up like, boom, the whole rest of the school year we're closed, at least, you know, physically closed. And it's just really heartbreaking as a teacher because like other teachers out there, like I didn't get into this profession to be staring at a screen all day. And, you know, that's just not what I want. I like, I want to be in my classroom. I want to be walking around. I want to be interacting with students. I want to be laughing and, and learning with students. And I'm not going to be able to do that. And the reality is it went from two weeks to a month to the rest of the semester to now the beginning of a new school year, online distance learning. And I'm really worried that it's going to extend for the full semester. And that's come January of 2021, we'll have another round of decision-making to do and distance learning might extend even further into the school year. I'm really, really terrified at the thought that I might not see students in person the school year period. Like I'm terrified by that. I didn't sign up for that. I don't think anybody wants that, but it's just um, the reality of the pandemic that we're, we're facing that that might be a possibility. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really, really sad. And I feel most for the students. I couldn't imagine being a student in this era and having to do all your schoolwork online and not having all the interactions in person with all your peers that were so foundational in all of our upbringings. Um, you know, we were just, Jeff, we were just talking a moment ago about um, rappers in the 90s. And I, I, I you know, I told you about um, something I said and, and having my peers at lunch, like, get on me for that. And that's just like a, a happy memory that I have. And it took place during lunch when we were just at the table talking about rappers. And to know that like so many kids are missing out on those like foundational moments that become like memories. Yeah, it's just really, really, really tragic. But I'm glad that we made the decision in most parts of the most parts of um, most districts and many uh parts of different states to go ahead and just make that hard call and say full distance learning to open up the school year until we feel that it's safe to send students in. I'm really happy about that. I hate that it took this long. I mean, it's mid-July now. We could have been prepping for distance learning this whole time instead of wasting time on these, you know, crazy plans that weren't going to come to, fr to fruition, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I appreciate the note about that because it's, it's funny, you know, someone who doesn't work much with students at this point in my life, you know, I'm, I'm around students when school is open, but I really work with the adults. And I, I you know, it's funny, I feel somewhat of a, you know, a similar sentiment <laughs> about the adults as well. You know, yeah. I'm like, I miss our principals and I miss our assistant principals and our, you know, our teacher leaders. And we're getting ready for a big, you know, summer institute, which is kind of the, and my job, which is kind of a, the launch of the school year. And I'm like, oh man, this, you know, I think we're going to plan something interesting, right? But like, kind of sucks, man. Not, yeah. <laughs> like not, one of the best parts of the year for me is like when we have, 250 amazing educators in a, in a room and we're all like 
in it together, you know, yeah. and the, the kind of connection and, and sense of we're part of a team, I think it's hard to recreate over Zoom. So I, I appreciate that even, in, you know, in, in a different way. Um, I do think, though, Manuel, I don't think all of the I do think you're right that we wasted a lot of opportunity this summer where we should have been preparing people to do virtual school more effectively. I don't think all the time will wind up being wasted on hybrid models because, I, I, as I said, I think that pressure to reopen in a hybrid model is very real and going to come. Um, but I also want to say I think we I think there is there is a very good reason to think that we will not be able from a from a moral and public health standpoint that we will not be able to effectively open school physical school until we have the vaccine. Um, and maybe there'll be pockets of the country where we can do it safely for some periods of time. But we're talking about right now, it's the middle of summer, Manuel. Like what yeah. happens in, in cold and flu season, right? When 20 to 30% of the kids got the sniffles and stuff anyways, you know, like obviously we're not going to be able to let them into school. What happens when the teachers get the sniffles and yeah, stuff, man. right? Like, like, so we're going to have subs bouncing around from different campus to different campus. That seems like not good public health policy, right? Um, and I, I think we don't have the courage, the political courage right now to say these things out loud. But uh, I, I think there's every reason to think that there will not be a time when if we're asking the right questions, which is, can we open school safely? And if so, are we prepared? Do we have the resources in place to do it? I don't think there's, you know, I'm, I don't see on the horizon anytime soon where the resounding answer to those questions is, is yes to both. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think we're probably going to push to open schools anyways. But we're we're then saying like, OK, well, some people are just going to get sick and die, you know, and like. There's not much we, you know, we're just throwing in the towel on that one, right? And 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 what's the what's the acceptable threshold of loss there? How yeah. many kids are okay? Is it five kids? Is that okay? Is it twenty kids? Is that okay? Is it is it ten teachers? You know, is it fifty teachers? Betsy gave us a number. Didn't Betsy give us a number? Not a specific number, but she said something about like only point one percent of something something something. And I saw somebody online like tabulate that out across the you know our entire student population. And it was like, I don't remember the number. I'm going to mess it up now. But it was a lot of damn kids. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you also know, you heard the one about how you know when Betsy DeVos is lying. I assume it's because she's speaking. Yeah. When it, when her lips are moving. So yeah. <laughs> she's, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, we, we don't even need to go down the, the Betsy road here. She's, uh, she's taken her, her evil stance on, you know, destructive stance on public education to a point of actually threatening the lives of people. I mean, it's crazy, uh, and, man. Cause like her and, and, you know, the whole branch of, of education, quote unquote leadership that that um has similar views to her like it wasn't so long ago they were talking about arming teachers in the face of school shootings and i think like wow they they really were trying to say that they trusted teachers enough to put guns in our hands in the classroom but now they don't trust us when we say it's unsafe to allow kids in the classroom it's just like uh it's just so crazy it's clear that our lives are just expendable to 
to her and so many folks in her camp because obviously folks in her camp don't send their kids to uh, public schools in the first place. And, you know, it's, it's all about, as uh, to your point, it's all about uh, making space for these kids to have somewhere to go so that their parents can get back to work and keep the economy going, so-called. And it's just crazy. And I think about the recent story about those three teachers in Arizona who were sharing a room and just like, you know, for folks who haven't heard, these three teachers who were sharing a classroom so that they could do their distance learning stuff on their computers in this classroom. And it's just three teachers and they followed all the procedures, um, you know, socially distanced with masks, sanitized, all that stuff. And still all three of them got sick and one of them passed away. And it's just so heartbreaking. And this thing is just so, so crazy contagious that it's like, I just can't see a time where we could have a full amount of kids in and out, even a, a hybrid model where half of the kids are in and out. If three adults who followed all the rules could still all three get it, then like, what's that going to look like when kids start showing up and when more than three adults are around? And it's just like, um, it's so crazy and so heartbreaking. And then part of me is like, well, all that you have to do for it to be physically safe, you know, face shields, masks, uh, sanitizing uh, stations, socially distanced classrooms and all that stuff. When you factor all that stuff together, is that environment even a better learning environment than online? Like I think the classic learning environment where we're all free, I'm in my classroom, I'm free to you know, interact with everybody and there's no concern for a virus. Yeah, that is elite level learning for sure, that personal connection. But when you put in all the, the protections in there, is I mean that's not that's not the same as what we're used to with in-person learning anyways. So then it's for me I'm like is that even better than distance learning in that case if everybody's just shielded up and and feeling you know super super scared of of uh, catching something like that. Oh man, it's just I don't see how and when this is going to end, and that's terrifying for me, big time. Yeah, I hear that. It, it, it's a fair question, right? Like, it, it, to do all the things we would need to do to ostensibly make schools safe, does education become compromised to the point that it's not even worth exactly. <laughs> you know, doing at that point in time, right? Uh, yeah, that's a fair question, too, which, honestly, I haven't really heard explored much, um, you know, much at all. I, honestly, I think my, my gut instinct would be like if we could do that safely, then then it would be worth it, right? Um, just just purely for the like the social interaction. I don't know that yeah. from a like how much content and skills kids learn, it would actually move the needle all that much more. But but the social interaction, the lack of you know the addressing the sense of isolation, the relationship building, et cetera. I think it would be better because screens are just so not effective um, at at like building actual human connection. Yeah. Um, so I, that would be my gut instinct. But, I, you know, I'd be curious to see what kind of research comes out that, you know, that actually like takes a look at this. Um, I, I also like just maybe switching gears a little bit, man. Well, I, I have found in recent weeks and months the growing hordes of people who seem to be saying that they are so deeply concerned about student learning um, and like, you know, how, how like morally abhorrent it is that kids, kids are not learning. We have to ensure kids are learning. Oh, think of the, oh, the, the humanity, the learning. Uh, <laughs> what about the lost learning? 
And, and ain't a single one of these people, I shouldn't say that, the vast majority of these people haven't said a damn thing about the kids learning until the, the kids had to stay home and the parents couldn't work. <laughs> and now all of a sudden they're concerned about the kids learning. I'm like, you don't care about kids learning and yeah. you damn sure don't care about black and brown and indigenous kids and poor people's kids learning anything. You care about the interruption to the economic system, man. And because if you really cared about learning, we wouldn't just be talking about reopening schools with a pandemic in place. We'd be talking about tax policy. We'd be talking about, uh, you know, housing. We'd be talking about environmental Here you go pollution. with your Marxist revolutionary craziness, man. You know, you can call me whatever you want to call me. I will take that label. They called Dr. King a communist. They called Malcolm X a communist. They called Fannie Lou Hamer a communist. They called Ella Baker a communist. So if I'm a communist with them, word. Where do, where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah, that's been the latest. This, this week there's been, I've seen a lot, I've seen folks like circling around like, you know, Black Lives Matter talking points from their website and there's something in there about Marxism and, and, um, one of my friends was like, have white folks been asking you about Black Lives Matter and Marxism? I was like, no, but you know, I ended up seeing where that, where that was rooted from. And I, um, some historian, I, I don't remember who it was, I wish I could shout him out, I don't remember who it was, but on Twitter was like showing examples of um, the propaganda that was spread during the civil rights movement of Martin Luther King and like a photo of him with a whole bunch of folks and like the, the caption is like Martin Luther King and Marxist training camp and all this craziness. So it's, same story, different day. But this, obviously, I don't know how we got on that. We're talking about distance learning. Yeah, anyways, you're right. If we had the support systems in place, um, this this conversation would be different in a very major way, different entirely. I actually saw somebody say, an, an educator, I'm not going to say who it is because it was complete trash and um, I'm not going <laughs> to want to drive any traffic towards this educator. But they were saying that in thinking about sending teachers back to work and opening schools, part of them was thinking about like, man, well, grocery store workers are showing up, like other folks are showing up, like maybe part of the teaching duty is to show up and, and do your part, which is just complete crash, uh, crash, which is just complete trash uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, for one, like last I checked, grocery stores were big, wide open, well-ventilated spaces and the grocery store workers weren't having to like, you know, interact with a whole bunch of people uh, personally and closely. Um, like a teacher would in a classroom and so many classrooms are not well ventilated. And then just the idea of like teachers having to like step up and do their part, like teachers been doing their part. This distance learning joint has been hard, <laughs> exactly. man. I've been, I've been not, well, I've been struggling for sure. And I've been working so much harder to try to learn all these new ways of teaching without having my kids in the class. Like it's a whole new thing for me. Like teachers been doing their part. And I just hate that some folks out there have the narrative of like, you know, teachers aren't doing enough and teachers need to stop, you know, stop being scared and show up to the classroom for the kids. It's just like, man, cut that out. Cause teachers, man, we've been on the front lines this whole time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I'm so glad you made that point, Manuel, because, you know, even that rhetoric about grocery store workers and, you know, workers at, at retail businesses across the country is that now they're heroes, right? I'm like, well, right. If you really thought they were heroes, you'd be paying them a living wage. And there's almost yeah. none of these companies that are. So get out of here with that nonsense, man. And uh, and the other thing is, ain't nobody who works at Ralph's sign up to be a sacrificial hero. Exactly. Like, this is not the military. They did not swear, uh, you know, to risk their life uh, 
uh, in, in going to work. You know what I mean? That's not part of the deal. And neither did teachers. Right. Teachers care a lot about students. You know, teach, I think in, to some extent, the like going above and beyond is an implied portion of being a teacher. Right. Because you do all the like, you know, supporting kids in their lives outside of just the six hours a day that they're in school. And, you know, and the and and the extracurricular stuff and all those sorts of things. So people teachers sign up for that. You don't sign up for I might die because I just went to work today. Like, that's right. not the deal, dude. Like, it's not. And so people who have that perspective, I think, are just out of touch. Like, you would never say that to to some accountant in an office. It'd be like, hey, man, you you know, <laughs> the world needs facts and figures. Uh, you, this is what you signed <laughs> up for. Like, you got to die now. Like, that's crazy talk, right? Um, I will say, though, I am ho- I'm hoping that as we reopen school, I, like right now, the union here in L.A. is in negotiations with the district. I know lots of unions are around the country. Um, and I think a lot of the agreements that we had in place around distance learning in the spring that created some of the really inequitable outcomes that I know we're going to talk about in our next in our next um, episode here Um you know, like those things were enshrined in the rules that were put into place in the spring. And we got to fix some of those things, man. So like the huge disparities in learning experience that many low income black and brown kids had versus their their wealthier um, white and Asian peers, um, you know, is like that's unacceptable. And we have to have a situation where kids are given opportunity to learn. So I think in that way, we do need to do better. But yeah, I'm not here for the the like the the narrative of the story being like teachers, teachers got to put their life on the line and teachers ain't doing nothing like that. That's crazy talk. Yeah. Teachers have been trying to figure out how to reinvent school with Families who can't get online and no devices and no time and, you know, no resources. So, um, yes, we need high expectations, but fairness consists of high expectations with high supports. And there's there's hardly a district across this country, at least when we're talking about big districts that serve a lot of low income folks, um, where I think you could fair you could fairly say there's been both high expectations and high supports. Yeah, you're right. All right, folks, this has been Passing Period. Um, oh, by the way, if you are brand new to our show, these Passing Periods are only for the podcast listeners. Our show is primarily a video show, and those full episodes come out every two weeks. But in between those, we we throw out these podcast extras that we call Passing Period, and we want to extend a very well warm, a very warm welcome to you if this is your first time checking us out. Um, we hope that you go back through some of the past episodes and see all of the all of the above dopeness and decide to be part of this all of the above family. And if you are listening, then that means you are very possibly using the Apple Podcast app for that. And if you have enjoyed what you've heard, we would love it if you pulled up our show and scrolled down to the bottom and left us a quick rating and review, um, especially the reviews part. Shout out to L2 Teacher for leaving us a really dope review a few days ago. Um, we could use more of those. So if you do that, actually, um, we'll we'll send you a, a, 
AOTA show logo sticker for your laptop or for your notebook or wherever you put stickers, um, just go ahead and leave us a, a quick little review on Apple Podcasts. Send us a screenshot of that with an address that we can send you a dope AOTA show logo sticker to you uh, for free. We would very much appreciate that. Um, you could email it to us, show at gmail.com, or just reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook and um, we'll be happy to give you one of these little stickers. All right, folks, but that about does it for this week's passing period. We'll see you in about a week with a full episode with some super dope educators coming out of Minneapolis. You definitely want to check that episode out. It's about their school academy, which is super dope and super anti-racist and super well community connected. So definitely stay tuned for that. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow if you haven't already. Um, and we'll check you next time. All right, get to class. <laughs> <laughs>